Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to budget increases for wardrobe and makeup, tonight's show is being recorded on scotch tape. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining pipe-smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, back in the studio in the warmth of North Carolina. And on tonight's show, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to the questions that we had from George Edmondson. We're going to hit on one more of those. Uh, in uh, my guest tonight, Scott McClelland. Scott is a performer and pipe smoker, and I'll just let him explain all that to you. Towards the end of the show, got uh, music and mailbag, and I'm going to cover a little bit, or try to cover as most of the uh, Chicago Pipe Show as possible. And then at the end of the show, I've got a rave for this show. I've got a rave. Uh, so anyway, let me tell you, going to Chicago for the pipe show, I felt as strong as a redwood tree, ready to go, rearing to get there, and by the time I got home Monday night, felt like a limp noodle. Yeah, it's a long five wonderful days, but I'm glad to be back home where the weather's nice and uh, trying to get the house back together again. Um couple more things for you coming up. Uh, remember, we've switched categories on iTunes, so we're now in the hobbies category. So if you get your downloads there, make sure you're still getting your downloads through iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a review. We'd appreciate that. Next week, next week, in addition to a guest, I will have Paul Creasy. Paul will be coming on as the uh, president of the Pipe Tobacco Council and talk to us about what we should do in regards to FDA and the deeming regulations. So that will be next week's show. Uh, I'm also posting on the Pipes Magazine radio show's Facebook page right now a picture of Kevin Godby doing his his favorite thing. Yeah, photographing food. So I'm posting that on the Pipes Magazine radio show's Facebook page, so check that out while you're there. Follow me on Facebook. All right, everybody, glad to be back home, fired up and ready to go, so sit back, relax, you fire up a bowl, thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. This is Internet Radio. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, Educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. 
All of my pipes come from MearshamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MearshamStore.com, the most trusted Mearsham store for 50 years. Welcome back. All right, so for pipe parts, if you remember about two weeks ago, I started in on an email that I got from George Edmondson talking about what makes a pipe work and so on and so on. He's got one specific question here that I want to take a quick shot at, and it's how does one evaluate the good smoker potential of a pipe before purchase, or is that even possible? All right, let me answer the second half. Is that even possible? Yes, most of the time. I, as an experienced pipe smoker, I know what I like in pipes. I know what works for me. I, as an experienced pipe smoker, on the rare occasion now, will get a pipe that just doesn't work for me. And it's purely the combination of me as the smoker and the pipe. Now, how does one evaluate the good smoker potential of a pipe before purchase? Um, First of all, for you as the smoker, you have to understand what it is that you like in your favorite pipes. Is it the shape? Is it the bowl size? Is it the stem? Is it the finish? You have to understand what it is that you like in a pipe. I will tell you the specifics that I like in a pipe, and I think I've touched on them before. Um, I like a saddle stem with a little bit of a fishtail. Why do I like that saddle stem with a little bit of a fishtail? Because I'm a clencher and I hold the pipe in towards the back of my mouth. So I need that saddle stem to get in comfortably into my mouth and I need that fishtail to give me a good girth to hold on to. Um, one of the dimensions that I look at with pipes automatically is the tenon. Is the tenon the length of the mortise? Is there a big gap in there? If there's a big gap in there, it's probably going to cause me some issues with moisture because I'm a very wet smoker. Uh, As far as the actual pipe itself, I like pipes that have longer wood shanks. So, Lavats are perfect. Lumbermen's are perfect for me. I just feel that the longer the wood is, the cooler it's going to smoke. Probably doesn't really work out that way, but if that's what I think, you know what, I am the leading expert on my own opinion, and hey, it works for me. Um, One of the measurements that I look for in a pipe, and it happened to me in Chicago as I was looking at some pipes, I stick my index finger in the bowl. If my index finger will not fit in the bowl, then the tobacco chamber is too narrow for me. It won't work for me. It purely just won't work. I need to be able to get my index finger at least inside that bowl comfortably all the way down to the bottom. Uh, I don't like real conical bowls. I like a bowl that comes in and then kind of flattens out real quick towards the draft hole. I've just found that with conical bowls... The tobacco that I smoke and the fact that I'm a wet smoker, by the time you get down to the end, you're smoking less and less tobacco that's filtered more and more of the smoke above it, and the moisture's building up even more and more. So I'm not a big fan of conical bowls. I like a nice flat bottom of the bowl. 
Uh, the other last measurement that I look for in a pipe because of the way I smoke, because I am a clencher and I do puff on it constantly, is I look at the thickness of the bowl walls. I want the bowl walls to have a minimum of a quarter inch of thickness all the way around the tobacco chamber. Now, saying that, that's hard to do with some of my favorite shapes, which are Dublins. You get a Dublin, and sometimes it gets narrow as the bowl comes in. So I have to be careful with the kind of Dublins that I like. Um, finally, I do want to say, uh, you know, how does one evaluate the good smoker potential of a pipe before purchase? You're gonna, you're, you're obviously not gonna pick out your best pipe ever when you buy it. Yeah, every pipe is not gonna be the most wonderful pipe that you've purchased. Some pipes will be good, some will be great, some will not work for you, but try different packing and smoking techniques with the pipe before you give up on it. Try letting it build a cake for a little bit before you give up on it. I have to do that with some of the Dublins that I have. I have to really work on the cake towards the bottom of the bowl because it gets a little thin down there. Uh, sometimes I just fall in love with the shape or the grain or the color or whatever it is and I just have to have that pipe and it may not be the best smoker I own but God, it sure does look good. So, uh, final sum up. You know what? When I buy pipes, I think I get maybe, uh, you know, one out of ten just doesn't work for me. Uh, used to be one out of three or four, so I'm getting better. All right. In just a minute, Scott McClellan, then a whole bunch coming up at the end of the show. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show Scott McClelland, who Scott is one of those, um, I want to say, renaissance men in the world of pipe smoking. Scott is a full-time performer, producer, and showman, but Scott, I'm going to let you explain exactly what you do because... Not only are you a pipe smoker, but you'll be better at explaining what you do than I will. But, Scott, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. So let's tell everybody, where are you from, where did you grow up, and how come you have a name that is also a tobacco company? 
Well, I, uh, I'm from Canada, and I, uh, I live in a uh, lovely little town called Carleton Place, just outside of the nation's capital of Ottawa. Um, I've uh, spent a better part of my life out east in Canada, and uh, I was born out west um, in a little uh, city called Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, but apart from that, uh, life uh, became rather strange starting at the age of 11 when I took on the, uh, the vocation of entertainment as a new uh, type of um, job. And uh, I've been performing professionally since 1977. So I know from talking to you previously that you were actually born into a family of performers. My grandfather owned the largest traveling circus sideshow in Canada from 1920 through 1968. And I was lucky enough to actually be brought up on his carnival. Um, I started performing professionally in 1977, and I've been touring Canada from uh, 1979 until now. So it's been kind of fun. Can you just just describe for us what exactly a, a, a traveling carnival sideshow is? Well, a, a carnival sideshow is a, uh, it's a, it's the old-time circus sideshow. You can see things like sword swallowing, fire eating, glass walking, uh, things like uh, putting a strong man in the electric chair and uh, lighting a torch off the lightning arcing off of his tongue once the switch has been thrown, that kind of thing. My grandmother uh, in my grandfather's show actually was a sword swallower, and she could swallow seven swords at one time. She's in the Sword Swallower Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, I won't ask how it's... <laughs> There's no trick to it. It's it's basically just understanding your body. It's very dangerous stuff, and that's what people are paying to see, is the danger factor. A uh, sideshow is uh, basically a type of entertainment where you watch people do things that seem humanly impossible. So when you started performing at a young age, what were you, what were you doing? Uh, well, I started with magic and vaudeville. And so I spent uh, my formative years performing magic and uh, old classic vaudeville-type acts. Um, so basically my first show that I produced, and I'm still performing it, it was called Professor Crookshank's Traveling Medicine Show. And uh, it's an old-time uh, snake oil-style <laughs> medicine show. Um, if I were to ask uh, Professor Crookshank to give us a little sales pitch, would he be available to do that? I, I think he could, as a matter of fact. Uh, I, uh, I I hear him coming into the room right now. Well, you want to hear about the old elixir I have, do you? Well, let me tell you a little something. It'll cure coughs, colds, rheumatism, lumbago, blackheads, whiteheads, redheads, and dumbheads. Why, it gets rid of ants, uncles, cockroaches and other household pests it makes cows give more milk chickens more eggs and why yes ma'am butterflies more butter it's the panacea of all ills will take the pain off your walls and is also a good decongestant and goes by the name of essence of placebo <laughs> <laughs> and i bet it tastes good too oh it sure does it's made of gasoline and sassafras <clears throat> okay, I'll save it for later. Um, so, so, if we could go back to Scott for a minute, um, when did you, you start bet. smoking a pipe? Uh, 
a very good question, actually. I, uh, I started smoking pipes uh, when I was uh, 17 years old. And what, what got you interested in them? Uh, my, my grandfather on the other side of the family, uh, my grandfather McClelland, actually, was a avid pipe smoker. And um, when I was a child, I always really liked the smell of the tobacco that he smoked. And it always kind of put me in a very happy place. And so when I was 17, I had the choice of, you know, not smoking or being a cigarette smoker or whatever else anybody else was offering at the time. But instead, I wanted to do something that was a little more, to me, relaxing and happy. And that was smoke a pipe. So I bought my first uh, briar. It's always been a briar for me. And um, I started smoking back then. And uh, I've been smoking ever since. Do you remember what that what what brand the pipe was? Well, it was a Briar pipe. Um, I don't. I actually don't know the name of the brands because I was more interested in the shape of the pipe, and also the uh, type of wood that was used. And um, I uh, I found that the, the the Briar fit nicely in the palm of my hand, and also uh, I liked the fact that it didn't stick straight out from my mouth. That actually kind of sat down below my chin a bit, which made me very happy. Um, it just seemed a little more of a relaxed type of thing to be holding on to and, and uh, smoking. So it's a, it's it's my favorite type of pipe. I I, I do enjoy a good meerschaum, but even my meerschaums have a a curve to the stem. And what type of tobacco did you start out with? Well, I uh, I started out with uh, basically the simple tobaccos like uh, Captain Black and Borkum Riff. Uh, because I didn't know any better, and I didn't know at the time that uh, there were tobacconists that actually made blends. So I, uh, I would just buy over-the-counter stuff. Um, but eventually, I, uh, I became a little more interested in the tobaccos themselves. And I came across a really great place when I was living in Calgary, Alberta, uh, in, a, um, in a mall that uh, was selling, well, pipe tobacco, but they were all hand blends. And uh, I discovered that I enjoyed one hand blend that was called Coventry Lane. And so that became my tobacco of choice for quite a few years. Uh, would it be considered an, an aromatic or a non-aromatic or an English? It, it's definitely an aromatic. It's, it, it's, it's something that uh, actually smells good to everyone around it and uh, has more of a, um, a musky, you know, nice smell that people can enjoy than a pungent smell. I, I like. I know there's many different types of tobaccos, and I, I hate to say it, but I've, I've tried cigars, and I find certain pipe tobaccos to be just as, well, uh, aromatically pungent as a cigar. And so I, uh, I, I steer away from those because those ones don't really uh, get, get me uh, going. <laughs> That's just me, though. And living in Canada, I'm sure you've had access to Cuban cigars on a regular basis, which definitely, Absolutely. definitely do have their own odor to them. Yes. So let's go back to now you're a 17, 18-year-old. Are you working full-time performing still? Still, always. Uh, at that point, I was uh, touring all the major exhibitions in Canada. I was doing the Calgary Stampede, Edmonton's Klondike Days, Regina's Buffalo Days, all the major exhibitions. And uh, I was doing up to three shows a day at 10-day fairs. So it was, a, it, it was a great way to make a living when I was younger. 
and now you're uh, now you're not so young, but you've also branched out into a couple of other different kinds of shows. So, what came next? The Carnival Diablo or the Paranormal Show or? It was Carnival Diablo that came next. I performed from 1977 until uh, basically 1991, Professor Cruikshank's Traveling Medicine Show. And uh, I did that uh, through the summer and into the fall every year. Uh, But uh, to make a long story short, in 1992, I created a new type of entertainment uh, when it came to sideshow because uh, back in 92, there weren't any sideshows. The only other person that was doing it was a guy named Jim Rose, and he had a circus sideshow that uh, we hadn't heard about at the time. So serendipitously, we were actually performing a sideshow at the same time in different parts of the hemisphere. And um, because my grandfather uh, running his own sideshow, uh, I had decided to take it upon myself to try and change the way people look at sideshow because I found that most sideshows uh, worldwide were running the same type of entertainment. It was like there'd be a sword swallower on stage, you know, a glass walker, but it would be like the talker on stage would be, ladies and gentlemen, we have here a sword swallower. He's got a two-foot sword that he's going to swallow right now before your very eyes. Down the hatch without a scratch. Now, if you look over here, this young lady's got bare feet. She's going to jump into this large pile of glass. There she goes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now if you look this way. And it just seemed like it was one act after another. And uh, for me, that was not as exciting as watching something that could be a little more sinister, a little more theatrical. And so I started playing with the idea of putting theater into Sideshow, and Carnival Diablo was uh, what it became, uh, a show based on characters on stage that actually had a bit of a history and um, storylines that went along with each effect. So that when you watch these terrible feats being done to the body, there was also stories attached that sometimes would tell you historically uh, where these things came from. And sometimes they go into the mythology of where these things came from. But it was always an exciting thing and is always an exciting thing to watch because of it. Is it fair to say that the Carnival Diablo might be um, sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining? That's it. I, you may have paid. You may you may have paid for a full seat, but you're only going to be using the edge of it when you come to our show. So, can you can you give us a tidbit of what kind of what kind of acts we might see? Or absolutely, uh, in Carnival Diablo, there uh, is three major human marvels. Uh, I play the ring monster in the show, which is the master of ceremonies, Nikolai Diablo, and uh, then we have the beautiful Ophelia who uh, actually dances on broken shards of glass and lays on a deadly bed of nails and allows me to place a cinder block on her stomach and crush it with a large sledgehammer. Um, I believe that beep we just heard was (laughs) Kevin Godby falling off of his chair while he's listening to this, but keep going. And uh, we also have uh, another character named Volos, and Volos is a mythological character. He's a mentor of sorts. Uh, and when I say mentor, I mean like the, uh, the bull-headed human. And uh, Volos is a character that uh, enjoys his pain. And he sets off animal leg hold traps on his body. He becomes a human dartboard. And he impales his body with bicycle spokes sharpened to a deadly point. 
Oh, okay. Um, um, let me... I, on the other hand, uh, try and uh, keep the uh, the story running on stage, and uh, some of the acts that I perform, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, uh, were, uh, well, I pound a six-inch spike into my skull, I swallow razor blades and chase them down with boiling water, and I uh, take and put a shark hook through my unpierced tongue and lift 45 pounds of rocks. Uh, we'll take a break right here while I get my jaw back up off the desk, and when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, pipes, pipe tobacco, and uh, some of your other shows that you're doing. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Scott McClelland of Canada and uh, Scott's cast of others up there. Scott, let's go back to pipe smoking for a little bit. Uh, you mentioned something where you said you're more you you picked up the pipe because you like the shape of it and the hand feel of it. Yeah, is that true for you with every pipe? Uh, yeah, because of the fact that I. Uh... I find that there are quite a few really nice uh, companies that build and make pipes, but I um, I don't know the names of any of them. Like, I'm a Luddite when it comes to that. I actually uh, feel that, for me, it's an aesthetic thing. It, it, it's, it's something where I want to... I, I want to have the pipe because I like the way it feels in my hand, the way it looks in, 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 in my, you know, in, in my teeth. Um, certain pipes I couldn't smoke because it just doesn't work with my face, you know. And um, I, uh, I migrate towards pipes that seem to work for me as, as a human, but also a bit as a character. Because uh, a lot of people do recognize me when I'm out and about, and I do like to, I like to smoke while I'm outside, so... Um, I like to have a nice-looking pipe with me when I'm out and about. <laughs> and you said out and about just like a Canadian. Yes, sir. <laughs> Being that that is what I am. <laughs> now, do you smoke every day? 
No, I don't. I uh, I, I I smoke uh, intermittently. Uh, you know, fifteen times a month, maybe. Um, but no, I, I can't smoke every day because I uh, I get too busy with my uh, my performing and everything, and I also have to keep my voice. And so I, uh, on on days of shows, I don't I, I don't smoke as much. And you and you really don't know the the brand names of any of the pipes you own. You just know that they're the shape that you like, or you like that shape. Yeah, or... I have I have no clue. Uh, I've been told that I have some really nice pipes. But I, I certainly uh, don't know the names of the pipes, and I, unless they're stamped with a name, I wouldn't be able to tell you what they are. How many pipes do you own? Do you know? I, yeah, I've got five. So, and you really have that. See, that to me is absolutely fascinating and wonderful, all at the same time. That you're not, you don't care what brand it is or who made it or any of that. You just love the way it looks and love the way it feels, and you bought the, you bought the pipe. Yeah. That's 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 it. Like there, there could be a pipe that goes for like five hundred and sixty dollars on a shelf, and right next to it could be a pipe for seventy five dollars. And if nobody told me the price of them, and I was looking at a pipe, and it, the seventy five dollar pipe looked to me like a beautiful pipe, and it felt to me like a, because I'll always ask to handle a pipe before I buy it, um, and if it handles well, uh, I'd probably take that one over the really fancy uh, five hundred and sixty dollar one just because um, I don't care about a brand. I've never been a brand person when it comes to clothing or anything else in life. Um, I'm a practical person. I like what I like. And that that is absolutely wonderful, and I am really happy that you're, that you're able to talk about it, too, because there's not a, lot of, uh, not a lot of people out there that would say that. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm a little sheltered from... Uh, from uh, the pipe circles in that respect, I, uh, I'm sure that I'd, I'd, I'd feel a bit of pressure if I was uh, hanging out with 30 or 40 men that all smoke pipes, but I, uh, I don't feel that pressure here at home. Well, I can also say that from discussing the Carnival Diablo and some of the other stuff you do, I would not classify you as uh, exactly a normal person. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh-huh. Do you know what it, what do you know what the most expensive pipe was that you've bought? It was a Meerschaum. Uh, it was it, it well not only was it is a gorgeous pipe. Uh, I had a uh, I had found a pipe uh, carved in Meerschaum uh, coral, and uh, it's of Bacchus, the wine uh, god, and it's gorgeous. He's got a great beard. His face is perfectly proportioned, and uh, he's laughing. And uh, I love the pipe. It's just, it's so whimsical, it's so fun, and it's so detailed. It's almost like a Grecian statue. <laughs> now, let's go forward one more step and talk about the paranormal show. And you're going to have to explain that to me, because the <laughs> as you told me before we, when we talked before, this is not like the, uh, like the ghost hunters shows that are on TV. Uh, no, that kind of scare me anyway. But go ahead, and, <laughs> go ahead and tell us what the paranormal show is. Well, another side of my life uh, that has been something that's been a major part of who I am for a very long time is basically the supernatural. I uh, I'm a parapsychologist, and I've been studying uh, the occult and things that go bump in the night for quite a few years now, and. I find that uh, with my love for this type of work, 
the best thing I could do was create a show around that love. And the paranormal show became that. Like, in creating a show that I could actually bring to the stage where people experience supernatural activity in front of their very eyes was something I've always wanted to try and do. And I've succeeded. That show now is 17 years old. And um, it's an exciting show to watch because it's very audience participatory. Uh, what you see is what you get. The things that you're experiencing are happening before your very eyes. And uh, they can be very unusual and sometimes almost scary because uh, we are dealing with things that don't seem to be uh, of our realm. Is it ever the, the same show twice or is each show completely whatever happens? Uh, every show is different in that respect. Uh, although the feats that are attempted in the show, the experiments in the paranormal, uh, are the same. There's around 15 different experiments that we attempt during the course of an evening. And the evening also is uh, basically wrapped up in a tight little bow uh, because it's based on the Victorian time period. And so I, I carry with me when I take these shows to theaters, uh, big, beautiful Victorian backdrops. Our clothing is Victorian, and the sensibility on stage is uh, based on Victorian mysticism. And so you feel like you're actually taking a step back in time and watching a show that, you know, was seen by people 120, 160 years ago. I'm not sure I could handle it, but I'm a chicken. <laughs> well, it's... You know, it's funny. I, I've met a lot of chickens that actually come to the show and find themselves totally enwrapped with what they're it, it, like experiencing. It's truly an experience that uh, when you walk away from it, you end up telling your own personal stories of what you've gone through while watching the show. It's uh, it's it's neat that way. I uh, I, I have in the show uh, mind reading, hypnotism, uh, psychokinesis, which is the movement of objects with the mind, and um, I also I also deal in some other things like retrocognition, which is uh, where I allow a person on stage to actually help me solve a murder that took place 120 years ago. And uh, these types of things are really exciting because they aren't as scary as they are fascinating. And um, I really enjoy performing the Paranormal Show. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> the Paranormal Show has also been... Uh been on the discovery channel a and e tlc and i'm and i'm assuming some canadian channels too oh yes a few years back we had a, a tv special called mind trip where i was pitted against 13 scientists that had the um ability to go and look at all of the things i was using during my experiments before i started and uh, they tested me to uh, see if what i was doing was real and by the end of their tests, they had decided, at least 75% of them, that what they experienced was inexplicable and that they may have to actually point their ideals towards uh, paranormal-type activity over science activity. And uh, it, was, it was a very fun TV special because of the fact that, uh, well, I, I turned some of the skeptics into believers. Yeah, I, I'm thinking I want to find the show and watch it on YouTube. Um, you can actually, you can you can uh, you can watch parts of it on my website, theparanormalshow.net. Uh, if you go to our video area, 
you can watch that plus a couple other uh, paranormal uh, TV type uh, specials that we've done. So it's uh, yeah, we, we we try and get those things up there when we can. And I'll make sure that we put all the links to all your various websites down on the show page, as well as a picture or two of you, because you're uh, quite a colorful looking guy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what what's the new thing that you're doing? Well, my newest production is called The Necromancer, and uh, this is a show that I've been waiting to do for a very long time. I started writing it back in around 19, believe it or not, 1986, and uh, it's been kind of on the back burner for that long because I've been waiting to be at the right age to actually perform it, and uh, I'm going to be 50 in in a few months, and so I felt that now that I'm going to be a half century, I look to the audience like I have the knowledge that I would be purporting to have while I'm performing. And what is a necromancer? Well, it a necromancer is a person that can speak with the dead. And this whole show is based on basically a large seance live on stage. And I guarantee poltergeist activity and the fact that you may actually witness a full-bodied apparition before the show is over. Okay, so let's go back to pipe smoking real quick. Um, (laughs) uh, Have you ever worked the pipe or pipe smoking into any of your performances? Actually, yeah, Professor Crookshank, uh, between shows, because I'm I'm actually out uh, during the summer performing this show, so I'm outdoors. Um, I smoke my pipe between every show. And so it's 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 a nice way to not only relax, but it's a great photo op because I uh, I like carrying my pipe with me when I'm in that character. <laughs> Do you find that when you're working on ideas for shows and and stuff like that that it helps to smoke your pipe while you're working on them? You know, it's funny. I do. It's it, it's I, it might be psychological. I'm not sure what it is, but I find that when I actually fill my bowl up with a good tobacco and I uh, I light it up and just ponder a thought, those thoughts are going to be a lot more true than if I'm not smoking my pipe at the time. So I I think that you know having that pipe with me when I'm really thinking about something important about my work uh, seems to enhance how I think. I'm I'm not sure why. But for some reason, it does. And I, uh, I've been smoking my pipe quite a bit lately because I'm on, a, uh, on kind of a binge to, uh, to build and create some new work uh, for, uh, for this upco- upcoming uh, summer and fall season. So I'm very excited about it. And I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying my pipe a lot right now. And also, it's spring, so we're finally, as Canadians, getting to go back outside. So I've been able to go back out and enjoy my pipe, uh, taking walks with our dog and everything and just for the record tell everybody your dog's name uh my dog's name is frankenstein <laughs> I love he's it. our little monster <laughs> <laughs> all right how many how many shows a year are you going to perform uh well uh usually i, I perform between you know 75 to uh 175 shows it depends on like you know uh, the climate of the year you know uh, I, th- I think that's for any, anybody that works in this industry. Sometimes you've got your good years, sometimes you've got your bad years. Uh, but most of the time I'm working about 125 to 175 shows a year. 
and this is your full-time and only profession. You have no other source of income. I have no other way of making a living because I don't think I could walk into a uh, an office and give them anything that would help them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm only a showman and a person that knows how to make things go bump in the night. So I, uh, I think that's the only thing I can do. Uh, I've been, you know, I've, I've been brought up to do this. Do you ever get to perform down in the states? Uh, you know, it's funny. I've I about. 17 years ago, I got to perform down in Florida for a while, and it was very exciting. And I spent a good six months down there performing. But since then, I have not been able to perform very much in the States because the amount of work I've been getting up here in Canada. And I'll be honest with you, since 911, it is very hard to move the type of equipment I work with over a border because it can be construed as a weapon because we have swords and we have like electric chairs and we have things that look rather dangerous. So it, I, the last thing I would, I would want, would want is to have our show confiscated at the border just because they, uh, they deemed it to be uh, dangerous. If you're flying, I'd hate to see your carry on luggage. <laughs> you know, what's funny before nine one one in, in 1999, I was um, I was flying in from uh, Los Angeles uh, to Toronto, but I had with me a large guillotine. <laughs> Seriously, and and uh, I, we had it on the plane with us. And when I got to the uh, the border crossing where I had to get off the plane, and we we had this huge package with us, they stopped me and they go, "Sir, we need to know what's inside of this package." And I uh, I said, "Well, it's a guillotine," and they said, "No, it isn't." And I said, no, no, really, it is. And they said, well, you're going to have to unpack it for us. And I did. And they couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was like a, it was a nine-foot guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like Alice Cooper uses on stage during his uh, rock concerts. <laughs> and it fit in the overhead compartment. <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing is, they loved it. And they took, like, pictures of it themselves, and that was, I think, the thing they talked about for the next month. But, you know, I'll tell you, you couldn't move a guillotine over the border since 2001. (laughs) I'm just picturing the the guys at the border sitting there going, Hey, Bob, remember when that guillotine (laughs) came through, eh? (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty strange. It was was very surreal. I had to throw that A in there so that it sounded legitimate. (laughs) All right, Scott, we'll wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. There's no right answer, no wrong answer, whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I am ready. What is your favorite pipe? Oh, uh, my uh, my briar. And what is I, your... I got it at Christmas, uh, actually, this past year. And what is your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco is the tobacco I'm smoking right now, and uh, it is called uh, the Confederation Blend. Sounds very Southern to me. Uh, Yeah. What's your favorite drink? Port, and lots of it. It's probably the closest thing to blood there is in a bottle. (laughs) Uh, um, When it's time to relax, (laughs) is it a book, a movie, or music? It's a book. With a glass of port and a nice pipe. And finally, any favorite pipe smoking memory in particular? Ah, goodness. Um, 
you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was visiting uh, Calgary for Christmas this past year, and uh, my family lives there. But while I was there, because I'm I'm quite well known in the entertainment industry, um, I decided to go and make a night out with all of the entertainers in Calgary that were willing to come and meet me at a uh, basically a Denny's pancake house. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, a good 25, uh, 25 performers, all professionals, came to meet me at this, uh, at this Denny's Pancake House. And um, five of them were pipe smokers. Wow. And so between the uh, eating of food and everything, we went outside. And it was like sub-zero weather. It must have been minus 20 or something. And we all uh, shared each other's tobaccos. And I'll tell you, it was the most fantastic way to spend a night I've ever had in a long time because everybody was enjoying each other's blends, and we were all, like, uh, loving the fact that everybody had brought their pipes. So it was, it was just a whimsical good time. It sounds like, a, sounds like a blast in the middle of the cold. Yes. Scott's websites, and I'm going to post them all on the show page, so if you don't catch them here, go to the Pipes Magazine radio show homepage, and you'll see them there. But the paranormalshow.net miracleelixir.com you've got a youtube channel that is dr rigamorto and carnivaldiablo.com and you can also find scott on facebook under scott mcclelland yeah did i cover it all that covers all of it scott thank you for your time i hope one day to get to see you perform live when i'm uh, when i'm up in your neck of the woods I hope so. It's been a real pleasure. And we'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Mm-hmm. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. We are back. Hey, there you go. You almost heard me speechless a couple of times with uh, Scott describing his performances. I really do hope to someday get up there and see him perform. Um, Since Scott's from Canada and I hung out or a couple hours on Friday with a couple of uh, Canadian Forum members. Uh, 
Brian, Chris, and Pat, and they uh, they handled some good natured ribbing back and forth, but. It was really nice just to get to meet some new people and sit, and we sat for a couple hours on Friday and just talked and had a great time, and uh, there was three of them and one of me. I thought we'd stick with the Canadian theme for music and sticking with the mood of some of Scott's performances. There's a uh, organist and composer named Healy Willen, British-born but raised in Canada, performed in Canada, prolific composer and uh, performer. Anyway, I found this one. It's called Introduction. It's performed on organ by Patrick Wedd.
the composer's name is Healy, H-E-A-L-E-Y, Willen, W-I-L-L-A-N, performed by Patrick Wedd, W-E-D-D. How's that for kind of uh, mood-altering music to go with Scott's performances? Maybe, uh, maybe Scott could have that play in the background. Captain, incoming message. For really good reviews of the Chicago Pipe Show, check out PipesMagazine.com. Fred Brown's article is up and posted, and there's some good pictures there. On top of that, there's a couple of really good threads in there that recap the show, and uh, one of them was done by Pat or Chris, Chris or Pat, not sure which one, but might be the same one. Never know. Um, anyway, my trip started on Wednesday when I got out to, uh, flew to Chicago, got to Chicago with plenty of time and ease to get unpacked, get settled in, spent Wednesday evening kind of wandering around the hotel a little bit, visiting with some folks and had some dinner. That was nice. Thursday was a retail day for me, so I was in the morning doing emails and Thursday out driving around the suburbs of Chicago, visiting smoke shops around there, and then back over to the resort by uh, Thursday evening for dinner, smoking in the smoking tent, and for John Seiler to bring me the best pipe of the show for me and probably one of the prizes of my collection. Yes, it's a two-foot souvenir fake piece pipe from Disneyland. Pictures of that are on my Facebook page where you can see my peace pipe um also then uh, that night continued with the uh, drinks and whatnot and then friday morning began the pre-show which is kind of like my version it's my my chance to wander around a pipe show um wandered around looked at every table looked at every table twice said hi to a whole lot of friends it was really fun just to just to kind of wander around and hang out uh Ran into Yachty from Florida Gonzalez Cigars. They were there for the uh, cigar thing the, the earlier. And uh, Yachty and I go back a ways. If you're looking for great cigars, look for Florida Gonzalez, the uh, 90 Miles, or their Cuban. Great cigars. Really enjoy them. On uh, Friday morning, Steve Morissette and I, and this might be a little geeky and a little weird, but Steve's lost some weight and I haven't. So we are... We traded sports coats. <laughs> yeah, trading sports coats at a pipe show. But anyway, he got one that'll work for him and fits perfectly. And I got one that works for me and fits perfectly. So everybody's happy. Um, Friday morning, I got to spend some time talking, <clears throat> excuse me, talking in person to Marcus Minetos of Amadeus Pipes and the uh, Briar Cutter from Greece. Wonderful guy, can't say enough about him. Uh, he even brought me a tin of rare Markovich black and white tobacco to be auctioned off next year for the JDRF auctions. So, Marcus, wonderful guy. Uh, still really enjoy that interview, so if you get a chance, go back and listen to that again. Um, what else? Let's see. During the uh, During the pre-show, yeah, I stuck my finger in a lot of pipe bowls. Because every time I see a pipe that I like, I want to make sure I can stick my finger in the bowl. Um, Saturday of the show. Saturday of the show, the show actually opened. Let's see, did I miss anything on Friday night? Friday night, no. There was just uh, drinking and then the dinner. Oh, and Rick Newcomb's wonderful presentation of 
movies and pipes in the movies, and I added a couple of movies to my uh, bucket list of must-sees. There was a Sherlock Holmes in particular where they identified a specific blend that the person smoked, and they went to the tobacconist. Uh, I found myself, when I was watching the movie scenes, that I was trying to identify logos and see who was smoking what. And then Friday night late, we did our uh, pipesmagazine.com presentation. That was fun. Uh, And then the drinking began. And then Saturday morning started early. Had to be up bright and early to set up for the pipe show. The show attendance seemed to be way up this year. Lots of people. Uh, Could have had to have done, had something to do with the fact that the weather was terrible. And then all of a sudden on Saturday, it was the one nice day. So everybody figured they could get out and come to the pipe show. And the smoking tent was full of smoke the entire day. The exhibition hall was full of people the entire day. Uh, The educational displays, the two in particular that I want to point out, the glass cabinets locked at the entrance. Brian Silverman had a great display of Sassini pipes through the ages. And Neil Rohn's collection of Kamoi's Blue Rye Bands. I really love looking at those old pipes and you know, seeing the entire offerings of the factory and for you know these guys that have spent a lot of time searching these out and trying to find the perfect examples and missing shapes. It's, it's wonderful to see it. Plus, I know how much work it is to uh, put that whole thing together. Um, forgot to mention Friday night at dinner, sat down with Kevin and I walked in for the for the dinner. We sat down. We ended up right next to... A uh, fuel pump from the forums, also Brian. And the way I recognized him was he had made a hanging ID tag based off of his forum avatar. So that was really cool. Really easy to identify if you do that. Uh, Saturday night. Saturday night. Oh, yes. Dinner with uh, Elbert Gubbles from Big Ben showing me some new pipes that we're going to be bringing into the United States. Uh, the Bentley line, and uh, we went over and had our uh, had pizza and beer, and there was a couple of Canadians, a couple tables over, so that was fun to see them there. That was based off of my meal recommendation to them. Um, Sunday is generally a slow day at the show, so I spent a lot of time trying to talk to the retailers in the area, and then we had to pack everything up, get it into boxes, get it off to UPS, and then Sunday night was spent in the uh, smoking tent where a lot of uh, joking and commiserating and going over pipes for the entire show was. Uh, I do want to say I got a chance to try the Missouri Meerschaum tobaccos. I tried two of them. I didn't have a corn cob with me. I apologize, but I did try two of them. They are slightly different, so it'll be interesting to see how they work in corn cobs because that's what they were exactly made for. I even brought my English pipe with me knowing that... Uh, knowing that the new HH Latakia Flake was going to be there, was smoking that. That smoked for a long, long time, and the Latakia was not overbearing to me. Uh, And again, the Latakia pipe that I have, it's one of my Brigham's. I use the system in it, and it just takes the edge off of it and makes me able to smoke in English. So that was nice. I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch of other stuff. There was a lot of you listeners that came up and said hi and said how much you enjoy the show. I really do appreciate that. That means a lot because 
Sometimes I'm sitting here and Kevin's kind of barking in my ear and then the show goes out there and then, yeah, we get ratings and reviews, but when you guys come up and that means a lot. So I appreciate that very much. Um, Sunday evening in the tent was uh, just drinking and goofing off and kind of recapping the show and catching up with some people that we didn't get a chance to see. I did get to spend some time with Rad Davis. He's doing fine. That was uh, really nice to see. Nice to see Rad there. Uh, What else happened? Oh, Sunday night we went to dinner. Kevin bought us all dinner. So we ordered the most expensive things off the plate possible and drank the entire bar dry. I'm kidding. It was uh, dinner at the Harvest Room there and the Chicago show guys were behind us. The entire room was filled up full of uh, pipe show people. So fun to hang out with them. Going back to last week's show, a lot of positive comments on the announcements that we did. Got a chance to see the pipes that Todd and uh, Pete are working on. They look great. Can't wait until I see them out in shops. Um, I think Riff Raff summed it up best in what in his comment here, which is what a great show. Two special announcements heard here first. I'm really looking forward to trying the McBaron's Latakia Flake. It sounds delicious. And then further, he went on the interview with Todd and Pete was great too. The forthcoming of their high quality factory pipes sounds intriguing. And further on, he says, I feel that pipe makers are a lot like musicians, and quite a few are from what I hear on your show. Pipe makers don't consider other pipe makers as competitors, but rather collaborators and mentors. That is a true characteristic of artistry. The fact that breaking news and announcements from the biggest names in the industry are on your show gives you credibility and proves that the Pipes Magazine radio show is the show for our hobby and all pipe smokers the world over. And that sentiment is exactly what I wanted the show to be, and so far it's turning out that way. And hopefully we'll have a couple more announcements coming up here in the next few months or so. Anyway... Got any comments on the show, post it on the forums, post it on the radio show page. I look forward to them all, and I do read them all. And I'm about as tired as they can get. Looking forward to a long weekend at home to get caught up on uh, watching some racing, which uh, Denny Hamlin won in Talladega. And with that, we'll be back in just a minute with Rant Time. This is Internet Radio. Eck. I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, 
we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. Over and over again, I've said how wonderful most people are in the pipe community, and I want to point out one in particular because, you know, we talk about the the monies raised for the JDRF, we talk about the donations of pipes that went over to Africa. Time after time again, you hear of other other pipe smokers stepping up to help out somebody. Well, here's a perfect example, and my kids think that my job is basically boring, except my son thinks I'm cool because I know two rock stars. Well, my daughter was working on a uh, 11th grade AP English literature project, and she had to write a paper. She chose to write it on Mark Twain. She chose to write it on Mark Twain and his view of America at the time that he was writing it. I can't remember exactly which three books. I think it was Life on the Mississippi, The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, and probably Huck Finn. But on those three books, the portrayal of America during that time frame. So she's telling me what she's going to do, and I ask her, I said, you know, Samantha, do you want some help with it? She said, why, Dad? Well, I know somebody who knows a lot about Mark Twain. Yeah, I wouldn't mind some help, and I warned her. I said, now he has his Ph.D. in English literature, and his thesis was on Mark Twain. Do you want his help? Yeah, Dad. So I get on the phone while we're driving. I call Chuck Stanion, editor of P&T Magazine. I said to Chuck, I tell him what's going on. Next thing he says, well, is she there? Yeah, so I hand her the phone. They talk for about 10 minutes for the rest of the drive to where we're going, and the next day... What Chuck did was pulled parts of his doctoral thesis that supported the points that the two of them talked about and helped her with her helped her with her paper and that's the kind of stuff that pipe people do for other pipe people. He had no reason to do it except that well he kind of got excited that somebody was writing on his favorite subject, but he spent time pulling that stuff together for her and and reviewed her work afterwards. So Thank you to Dr. Chuck, and thank you to all the uh, pipe smokers for being, hey, pretty wonderful people. All right, so next week we'll have a guest, plus Paul Creasy will be on to talk about the pending FDA stuff and what we need to do to help fight it. And uh, in the meantime, we'll be back to the regular schedule. I'm home for a while, at least until the uh, Kansas City Pipe Show, as far as I know, which is coming up June 21st, 22nd, 23rd, right around there. So, keep posting those ratings and reviews on iTunes for us. Leave us a uh, leave me a comment on the Pipes Magazine radio show's page. I do read them all. I appreciate all of them. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Happy trails to you.
when we're together Just sing a song and think about sunny weather Happy Hey, big van. Saran wrap, saran wrap, saran wrap. Just kidding.